Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James. Today is November 1st, 2020, just a couple of days from the big election here in America. I think the whole world is waiting with bated breath as to whether it's going to be Biden and Harris, the crook and the crookess, and uh, and Trump, and uh, of course, uh, uh, Pence, Trump and Pence. So, but either way, it's not much of a bargain, as we like to say here. It's the evil of two lessers. <laughs> That's what we're gonna. Nevertheless, this after today's show, I'm I'm heading out to Schaumburg, where I'm gonna participate in a pro-Trump rally because the alternative is unthinkable, unthinkable. Unable to contact Pastor Martins uh, via Skype today. Uh, if he's around and able to call, he will. I'm sure he will. But he's in a transition period between uh, living in a town and moving to a farm, and so uh, you know that may that may uh, determine whether he's got the capability of uh, getting on the net. Okay, but today's show is going to be about Ezekiel 37, the dead men's bones coming back to life, and it's actually prompted because uh, last week or the week before. Pastor Martins uh, said that a lot of people in South Africa, the Boer people of South Africa and neighboring Namibia, are uh, waking up to the fact that they are, in fact, Israelites. And it's becoming uh, a... uh, He's getting all kinds of calls from people that they are now understanding, number one, the difference between a Boer and a Cape Dutch Afrikaner who are descended from the... Dutch East India Company, and that means Dutch Jewish banksters, and uh, that the, these Cape Dutch Afrikaners have never been allied with the Boers. Only by deceit have they allied themselves with the Boer people. And this message that he's been bringing to the people of South Africa, especially the Boer people, has crazed quite a stir uh, because it offended the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, which naturally it would. And uh, a lot of the Boer people are confused, you know, what's going on here? We always thought the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were a related people, if not the same people. And Pastor Martin said, no, they're not. They, and that's why they've, there's been so much treachery by them in collusion with the British, in collusion with the banksters, in collusion with the uh, Reformed Church that's going on down there, which is very much opposed to the identity message. So... Nevertheless, he's been getting contacted by more and more people, as have I. I get you know, a regular stream of new people that are coming in that are listening to Eurofolk Radio or reading my articles here and there, and uh, asking me questions about you know, who, is, who is who and what's what. And so I see that there's more and more interest being generated for this Christian identity message, more and more people coming to it. And it's been a slow trickle. It's never been a mass movement. Probably never will be because we preach that only the remnant has much possibility of being saved and entering into the kingdom, at least in terms of becoming the government of the kingdom. So so this great awakening of mass conversion of Israelites to the truth may never happen. However, there is a predicted era 
when the dead men's bones of Ezekiel 37, meaning the Israelites coming back to life. So we may just still see it before the judgment day because I think Yahweh is putting the heat on. You know, we may want to blame the Jews for everything that's wrong in the world, but Yahweh is allowing this to happen because he wants to awaken his people Israel. And uh, with our backs to the wall, uh, or groveling at the feet of the international Jew and being pawns in their banker schemes, and now with COVID-19 and the lockdown, our people are getting desperate for answers. Desperate for answers means they ask questions. <laughs> and the more questions they ask, the sooner they come to the truth of Scripture, namely the covenant message, which is what we teach here at Eurofolk Radio and all identity congregations around the world. And there are many around the world. Usually fairly small. You know, you know, the, the congregations I've been to in Indiana, Missouri, Arkansas, Kentucky, maybe a couple of dozen people uh, as regular members attending services every week or every other week. And uh, here, the last congregation we had in the Chicago area, we had about 15 people. And that's an increase from the last couple of years where it's usually been about 8 to 10. So the interest is increasing. So that the dead men's bones of Ezekiel 37 predict that there will be, yeah, that the Israelites will come back to life. Now, whether that means they will convert to true religion, the identity message, the covenant message, that's another story. But they will be coming back to life. And as I just said, I think the Father is putting the pressure on our people. He's allowing these things to happen because our people, let's face it, prosperity is the worst condition Israel has ever experienced. Because why? They become complacent. They become apathetic. They become Muslim <laughs> and other things. They become Buddhist, etc. They abandon Yahweh, they abandon Christianity, and they become, probably even worst of all, materialistic. Sunday is a, a day of uh, golfing and baseball and basketball and football, and guess what? That has been taken away. So they can no longer go out and enjoy their, their favorite pastimes. Now they're stuck at home. Hopefully they'll be tuning into your folk radio. All right, but I'm going to back up to Ezekiel chapter 36. Where, because it's an introduction to Ezekiel 37. And I'll start with verse 30. Ezekiel 36, verse 30. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree. Okay, the fruit of what tree? The tree of life. The tree of the genealogy of Israel. And the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Well, since these days, uh, since these prophecies were uttered, the Israel people, known as the Caucasian, Celtic, uh, Anglo-Saxon Israel people, have been the most productive agricultural people the world has ever known. In fact, the grain fields of America will have fed the world several times over our our farmers produce so much produce. Now that's changing because of the COVID lockdown because we're now under the dominion of the Rothschild Edomites 
as prophesied by Isaac to Esau, that one day the yoke of Jacob will be taken off your neck. And uh, the tables turned. Yeah, the tables have been turned. Why? Because in this last era of the church of Laodicea, the apathetic church, the lukewarm church, they're so lukewarm that Yahshua vomits them out of his mouth. Okay, they're no longer zealous. They're no longer zealous for the truth of his word. And that's a disease. And that disease is going to start getting under their craw, under their skin, start being an irritation to them until they come back to the Father, which many will. And we pray that many, many more come back to the Father and to the whole, his holy word and the commandments, etc. Verse 31. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways. And this is what we in identity are preaching to regathered Israel. That we must repent of our evils. It's not enough to just blame the Jews. It's not, as the white nationalists, uh, they, you know, they think they can do battle against the Jews and win. No, they can't. Not without Yahshua. There's no way they can win this battle. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, if you have any chance of defeating this global empire because they control all militaries. That's right, even Muslim militaries, with the possible exception of Iran. They control all economics on the planet. And unfortunately, they control virtually every religion on the planet with the exception of Christian identity. We're the only ones holding out against them. Every other group has caved in to the Antichrist, to Mystery Babylon. That is the reality that we face today. And then, after we, in identity, remind our Israelite brethren of their iniquities, and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Ezekiel is talking about Israelites here. He's not talking about Jews. Verse 32, Not for your sakes do I this, saith Yahweh Elohim. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, In the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be builded. So when what was that day? That day was at Calvary, when we were redeemed by Yahshua, and the Holy Spirit given to us at Pentecost, the same year, 33 AD, that, well, of course, we have to accept what happened at Calvary. A lot of white people who are, in fact, Israelites, have not still not accepted that. So they're going to be totally lost, and this building, uh, this coming back to life of the dry bones will not apply to them, unless they, somehow they get religion. Verse, desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. We, the Israelite people, have turned the planet into a blooming field, farmland. Just look at California. King Desert, without irrigation, nothing would grow there. But the white men, the white farmers who settled there, turned California into a literal paradise. Verse 35, And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like a garden of Eden, 
and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. This is talking about America. They're talking about Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, Yahweh, build the ruined places and plant that was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken it, and I will do it, whether we like it or not. Of course, we like prosperity. We like having plenty of food on the table. Verse 37, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. Father Yahweh, I pray this very second, please do it for us. Please bring up these dead men's bones because they are so dry that I need to have water just thinking about it. I will increase them with men like a flock. And of course, the whole era that the 12 tribes of Israel settled in Europe and the rest of the world, we have been increasing like flocks of sheep, like flocks of this or flocks of that. And at one time, I believe the white race was actually the most populous of the, on the entire planet. But not since World War I, when the international Jew started using us as cannon fodder, since that time, we used to be, we are now only one-third of the population we used to have before World War I. So Yahweh has used that time to punish us because we are not obeying his laws. Verse 38, as the holy flock, and the word holy is separate, dedicated, does not mean pious or righteous, as we just went through the citations of the abominations and iniquities of the Israelites, that word does not mean pious or righteous. It means set apart. That's what it means. And that's, Yahweh wants us to be set apart from all other people. And then when the waste cities can be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. Is there any doubt that this prophecy of Israel expanding and becoming a great agricultural people, having many cities, has come true. There's no doubt. All right, so let's turn to chapter 37. And uh, let's see, Nimble Horse, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the Israelites is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved. And uh, Romans 9.27, For Yahweh will carry out his sentence on the earth thoroughly and decisively. Okay? The Bible is a story of Israel, the, the genetic seed line from Adam through Seth, not through Cain, through Seth, as is the whole Bible talks about this genealogy without exception. And it talks a little bit about the bloodline of Cain as the, our main enemies, namely the Canaanites, Edomites, and Kenites, today known as Jews, are a major part of the Bible record. But it hardly mentions other people at all, just incidentally, okay, such as the Philistines and a few others. But even the Philistines were Hamites. They were not forbidden by Yahweh to for us to marry into them. It's just that the... Uh, the any white people are okay for us to intermarry with. It's just that the bloodline of Israel passes down through the father. The bloodline of the Jews passes through the mother. More proof that the Jews are not Israelites. 
Okay. So, in the fullness of time, not every Israelite, all Israel is an expression for all of 12 tribes. That's how the term all Israel is used in the Old Testament. And there's no reason to change that usage in the New Testament. Everything that Paul has ever written is totally reflective of the Old Testament prophecies. I don't think that there's a, an epistle that Paul wrote that isn't totally involved in quoting the Old Testament and confirming the prophecies and or the, the teachings to Israel and the creating of congregations of Israelites. That's what Paul, Paul's ministry was all about. And he ministered to both the house of Judah and the house of Israel. But let's get back to this. I'm going to switch to the uh, concordance version here because some of these words need to be defined. And uh, this is pretty much true of every book of Scripture unless you know the, the meanings of the Hebrew words because the translators often get them wrong. Uh, it's hard to understand what's being said. So verse, 30, verse 1, chapter 37 the hand of Yahweh was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of Yahweh and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. Now, of course, we have a lot of graveyards that are full of bones. But this is metaphor for dead Israelites, dead in the spirit. Uh, Israelites who don't know they're Israelites. Israelites who have rejected the holy word. Verse 2. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very, very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man. Son of man is Adam. Son of Adam. And the definition here is ruddy. And then they switch from ruddy to human being. <laughs> Not all human beings are ruddy. Only Adam kind is ruddy. And this is what Yahshua, he refers to himself as the son of Adam. That's how this expression is to be understood. Not man, or as in humankind. He's a direct descendant of Adam through Seth. That's what this means. So is Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And I answered, O Yahweh Elohim, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith Yahweh Elohim unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. You will come alive. And I think in these end times, we are because the European, Caucasian Israelites, the American Israelites, Canadian Israelites, they're getting fed up with communism. They're getting fed up with socialism. Not too many are getting fed up with materialism, however. So that's why I think Yahweh is going to put the screws down on all of us Maybe he's allowing the, the Rothschilds to take our prosperity away. Because it's only, for many Israelites, the only time they pray 
is when they are in dire straits. And believe me, folks, it is going to get worse. The second round, the second wave of false COVID test positives here in America has begun. The state of Illinois, our Jew governor, Pritzker, has enacted another shutdown of restaurants after a few months of allowing restaurants to operate. There's a rebellion being organized by the Illinois Restaurant Association and by private individuals who own restaurants, so we'll see how far that goes. Other states like Wisconsin have not enacted that, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court has ruled that the lockdown is illegal, unconstitutional, and so the state of Wisconsin, we've had to meet in the state of Wisconsin a couple times because we couldn't do so here in Illinois. So anyway, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was not breath in them. Okay, so we have all these Caucasian Israelites all over the world who are our kinsmen, and who have left, utterly left the flock for socialism, for communism, for materialism, for money, for all kinds of physical gratification. And they've actually left for other religions like Buddhism and uh, Hinduism and Islam, etc. They've utterly left. Why? Because the churches have failed to teach the truth. Verse 9. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of Adam. Say to the wind, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Come from the four winds. O breathe and breathe, O breath and breathe. Come upon these slain, slain, that they may live. Dead Israelites, dead in the spirit. And the Christian identity message is coming from everywhere. It's coming from Australia, coming from Canada, America, Britain, now even Germany. Christian identity is becoming popular in Germany. So, and as if you listen to this morning's show, from Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and of course from South Africa. So it's coming from the four winds. We're coming back to life. Whether or not, no, no, some of these people who come back to life won't make it back entirely. They will be pulled back by temptation, by the lure of money, by the lure of secret societies, by the lure of politics, etc. So, breathe upon these slain that they may live. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. So if there's going to be a mass awakening of the Israel people in our time, this is about the only prophecy that specifies it, that there will be a great awakening of our people. But nevertheless, it only talks about a remnant being truly converted. 
So you can interpret this a couple of ways. One, that the message of Christian identity will be understood by many of our kinsmen. Whether it is accepted by them is another story, but they will have a chance. Yahweh is going to give them one last chance to straighten up and live according to his laws. One last chance. And I think that's what this prophecy is all about. So, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of Adam, these bones are the whole house of Israel, all twelve tribes. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Well, the heathen Israelites, those who are either irreligious, anti-biblical, or pagan, or socialist, or communist, those are totally lost. They're the ones who are saying this. Because there's no hope for Israel in any of those movements, in any of those other religions. There's no hope for us there. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, your bodies, and breathe life into you, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel, which does not mean Palestine. It means wherever we Israelites are. And ye shall know that I am Yahweh, and when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, as I said, wherever we live, then shall ye know that I, Yahweh, have spoken it and performed it, saith Yahweh. Now part of this prophecy was fulfilled as Europe converted to Christianity. Okay, we became his people again. But that was before this age of Laodicea, the end times age of the utter lack of faith, apathy, and lukewarm Caucasian Israelites. So there was a great fulfillment of this prophecy, in especially the Reformation. No doubt about that. But that only lasted maybe a couple of hundred years, if that long. And now there's going to be a final... Those people who became the Israelites of Europe and spread out all over the world... There's going to be one last revival. One last revival. So, the book of Ezekiel, that's the story of the dead men's bones. But, there's more to the story. It becomes very specific. Verse 15. The word of Yahweh came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of Adam. Let me take a look. What is son? It's probably Ben... Yeah, Ben, Ben Adama, Ben Adam, son of man, take the one stick, write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Okay, so whoever, whatever Israelites have 
followed the house of Judah down through history because the, their histories are separate. The house of Judah actually died out in Palestine with the death of Yahshua. Many of the Judahites who became Christians then then finally migrated north and joined their brethren in Europe. But the house of Judah had a previous dispersion under Zerah, beginning around 1500 B.C., where Zerah left Egypt because he didn't like being captive to the Egyptians. And the Judahites founded Rome, the Dardanelles, uh, Troy, Hebrew Spain, Ireland, Scotland, England, and the coastal regions, the west coastal regions of Europe. And eventually they migrated inland, where they became known as the Celts. So that's one stick, the stick of Judah, which includes many uh, members of the other tribes. And then another stick, and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Well, that house is the ten so-called lost tribes, which means actually exiled tribes, the ten exiled tribes, and their migration starting in 745 B.C. across the Caucasus Mountains into Europe, where we became known as the European nation-states, and ultimately America, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, etc. And not to leave out South Africa, if Pastor Martins were here, <laughs> he'd, maybe, he'd be making sure I don't leave them out. Verse 17. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. Of course, this also happened at Calvary, because that's when the house of Judah and the house of Israel, the scattered dispersion, came together and were redeemed by our Messiah. Not everyone's Messiah, only Israel's Messiah. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? These two sticks? Say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in the hand before thine eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen. Now here the word heathen is goy. But here, and it very often is inappropriately translated as heathen. But in this case, it is appropriate because he's talking about taking the children of Israel out from among the heathen nations wherein they dwelt, whither they be gone, and collecting them from out of those nations into a unified mass of Israelites. And that's what happened in Europe, folks. That's what happened in Europe. And will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land called Europa. And I will make them one nation 
in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. Okay, Yahshua Messiah. America's slogan was no king but Jesus, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Okay, and that has been happen has happened throughout European history. However, there was a glitch in this prophecy, namely because Germany, although Germany is primarily composed of Judah, it contains remnants of all 12 tribes, and so does England. And so England and Germany fought against each other in two world wars, thanks to the conniving of the international Jew. Even though, even though the king of Britain, the king of Germany, the Kaiser in Germany, and the Tsar of Russia were cousins to one another, all descended from the royal house of David. Despite this, these three kings could not prevent World War I. It's quite amazing that they allowed their nations, their kingdoms, their empires, to be so cast into turmoil when they had the power to prevent it. But they would have had to dodge the Rothschilds in Britain. Germany had actually given refuge to Jews that were leaving Russia. So Germany, at the beginning of World War I, was actually considered a favorite nation by the vast majority of Jews. The, the country they really hated was Russia. But that changed overnight with the Balfour Declaration, when the Kaiser refused to give Palestine to the Jews. The allegiance of the little Jews switched overnight. And Jewish newspapers started calling the Germans Assyrians and heathen, and they were throwing babies of their opponents up in the air and catching them on their swords, etc., and our people believed those Jewish lies. Rather than relying on the word of prophecy as to, wait a minute, the 12 tribes of Israel have fought against each other throughout history. Why should this be any different? And then the Christian Zionist movement uh, arose just you know, around the same time. The Christian Zionist movement, because the Rothschilds were financing that as well. So they were already training and brainwashing Christian Israel, the Caucasian people, into the doctrine of Zionism even before World War I. But they had to establish themselves as the fake Israelites in order to be able to claim Palestine for themselves. And unfortunately, Judeo-Christianity is the result, where many Christians actually believe that the Jews are Israelites. No, 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 they are not. Okay? And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Mountains means kingdoms. And one king shall be king to them all. That's Yahshua. And they shall no more be two nations. Now, we are, all these white nations are held together by some form of Christianity. 
but mostly it's very lukewarm Christianity if there's any Christianity at all left in Europe. There's very little. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols. Okay, the vast majority of Caucasians have given up paganism. Brother Michael and I this morning talked about Odin, how Odin was one of those rebellious Israelites who turned his back on Scripture, turned it back on his own people. Nevertheless, he was an Israelite. Actually, there were more than one Odin. But the pagans think he he's just a uh, you know a Nordic who has no relationship whatsoever to the twelve tribes. No, he was an Israelite, a rebellious Israelite. And even the prophecy in Zechariah says that he will lose sight in his one of his eyes. And it turns out Odin had his right eye plucked out. So a lot of these prophecies are very very specific. But if you don't know these prophecies, if you don't know who who Israel really is, these prophecies don't mean anything to us. And that is the job of the Judeo churches, to make sure that the Caucasian people don't know anything about their biblical history. Well, we're here to correct that, and we want to see these dead men's bones come back to life, where every other denomination is trying to destroy us and lead us down wrong paths, many wrong paths. As uh, Brother Abar likes to say, 33,000 denominations, all of them being fake Christianity. Okay, so we have been unified by Yahshua Messiah, and Christian Europe was unified for a while, not for very long, but you know, the, the split from the Catholic Church into the Protestant uh, sects, that didn't last very long. The, the Daughters of Rome, as Pastor Martins like to call them, have become more Catholic than the Pope. Nevertheless, what happened at Calvary did unify us. And for a while, the, the wandering Christian Israelites created a civilization unlike anything that has ever been created before. And never will be, unless it's, it's led by us. Verse 23. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. This is talking about the rebellious house of Israel, and there were many Judahites among them. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them so they shall be my people and I will be their God. Again, this is talking about the sacrifice at Calvary. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. Guess what? All of the kings and queens of Europe of the Caucasian Israelite world are descendants of David. There are still a few of them left. But the prophecy says that Yahweh will always have a descendant of David available to serve as a king. Doesn't say they were to be good kings. Doesn't say that every Israelite nation will have a king. It just says there will always be a man of Israel available, of the royal line of David, available to be a king 
over any particular nation. That's all that the prophecy really says. But we shall have one shepherd, and guess what? Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, is a direct descendant of David through both Mary, excuse me, through both Mary and Joseph. The genealogy presented in the book of Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph becoming the husband of Mary, not the father of Jesus, the husband of Mary and the stepfather of Jesus. And uh, it's not really clear, but you have to read carefully to get that uh, out of the Gospel of Matthew. But nevertheless, Joseph himself was a descendant of David also. And as Yahshua's stepfather, you can say that the number one, Yahshua was king of Israel through the line of David, genetically through Mary, and also legally through Joseph, because he was also a descendant of David. And so Yahshua is twice king, legally by adoption by Joseph, and genetically through Mary. And they shall dwell, well, wait, let me finish this. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. The only way European civilization could have developed is because the Christian people, the Caucasian Israelite people of Europe, were themselves very pious, even though we might have had horrible leaders such as the popes and the various kings and queens of Europe, many of whom were just reprobate people. Uh, I, I include King James among them. That nevertheless, the people, the Israelites, wanted to be faithful and were faithful for the most part. That righteous and pious people, honest, good people, who created civilization, hard-working people, the cathedrals of Europe, the great music, the agriculture, etc., etc. The list goes on. You know, we shall be a blessing to the world with our inventions, our inventiveness, and the fact that we are his covenant people and we delivered the gospel primarily to ourselves, to each other, through the various languages. But our job was to be a blessing to the world, to the whole planet. Now, we have failed to do that since 1900, since World War I. We have utterly failed to do that because we have been led astray by the wrong shepherd, namely Lucifer and his Talmudic rabbi priests who have tremendously corrupted Christianity and turned it into Judeo-Christianity. So, we will do their statutes, his statutes, and his judgments, and we did for the most part. That's, that's the only reason why Europe flourished as a civilization, because every Christian Israelite nation was, the people were, in fact, very pious. Verse 25, And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. Now this uh, seems to suggest that it is uh, a a reference to Palestine. But our fathers dwelt in Canaan land as well. 
our fathers, you know, our modern, just looking back throughout history, our fathers dwelt in Europe, various European nations. They've even gone as far as Japan, but they, they didn't carry the faith with them that far. So our fathers, wherever they have dwelt, this is a prophecy, folks, and it, not, not, it does not suggest Palestine. <clears throat> and, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Now the best, the best work on this subject is by Pastor Sheldon Emery, his article entitled, The Old Jerusalem is Not the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is prophetic Jerusalem. The Old Jerusalem is the literal city of Jerusalem. And there's many metaphoric uses of the word Jerusalem as being a spiritual place, a prophetic place, and a place that will be home to Israelites forever not the literal city of Jerusalem. So I highly recommend that uh, article to you. It's available online, easily online. Verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Well, where were they placed? Initially in Europe. Then some went to South Africa, then some went to America, Australia, etc. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Well, we have churches, <laughs> okay, some of whom preach the truth. And for the most part, even, you know, the, the we're almost coming up to the 400th anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower at Plymouth Rock on November 11th. Those were Christian Israelites, very pious Christian Israelites, who made a compact among themselves to obey Yahweh's laws here in America. So the migrations in the modern era have always been led by faithful, pious Christian Israelites who are getting away from the corruption around them. And wherever we went, we maintained our level of civilization and brought it back up to the standards, the original standards of Europe with the great cathedrals and opera houses and the wonderful music and the inventions, automobiles, locomotives, airplanes, etc. These are the blessings we have given to the world. Air conditioning, <laughs> hygiene, etc. This is the covenant of peace. You can't develop these inventions when there's constant war. That's why one of the reasons why we don't see many new inventions, because the Rothschilds have taken over the world economy and are keeping us constantly at war with one another. This has to end. And the only thing that can end it, outside of the second coming of Messiah, is that our people wake up to who they are and come out of Babylon. But as long as our people are slaves to Mystery Babylon and don't open their eyes to the true faith, the covenant message that we are Israel and the Jews are imposters, if they don't open their eyes and accept that message, they will continue to be lost. And there really is no hope for them. 
Verse 27, My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And a tabernacle here would be loosely. It's obviously not the tent that the Levitical priests set up when we were wandering in the wilderness and in the days of Saul, David, and Solomon, and uh, subsequent kings. That literal tabernacle is not with us. Paul tells us we are that temple. We, the true faithful Israelites, we are that temple. We are that body of Christ. Verse 28. And the heathen, again, this is the non-Israelites, the four nations around us, and the heathen shall know that I, Yahweh, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So this day is quite yet to happen. We have let the world down with our regression. But as the Dead Men Bones prophecy tells us, there is going to be a revival, one last revival of true Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, yes, Ezekiel 37 is a paramount to the understanding of the Christian Israel message. It also proves that both houses will live on forever. All 12 tribes will live on forever. There are many statements in Scripture about that. Yet the Jews tell us, oh no, those lost tribes are lost and gone forever, never to return. That's a lie, folks. Christian, the biblical prophecies tell a completely different story. So let's continue on with uh, chapter 38 and see what else is in store for us here. Oh, good stuff. The prophecy against Gog. And the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of Adam, set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog, Magog was a descendant of Japheth. The land of Magog was the north country to the north of the the area of Shem. Shem settled in the Middle East between the Tigris, Euphrates, and the river of Egypt. That's where the Shemites settled. Also, the Hamites went down to the river of Egypt. But the Japhethites went north. And that's where Magog, a descendant of Japheth, settled. Okay. But Gog, what's Gog? Uh, Gog is really undefined in Scripture. Let's see what they call it here. Of uncertain derivation. Gog, the name of an Israelite or also of some northern nation. Gog. Okay, so they just say it's of uncertain derivation and the name of an Israelite in Scripture. I don't recall Gog being applied to any Israelite, but that's what the definition says here. And also some of the northern nation. Well, what northern nation? Japheth. And it is a fact that the Ashkenazi, the Ashkenazi Jews, are descendant from Magog. Okay? Through Japheth. And the king of the Ashkenazim even makes this statement. And these Ashkenazim ultimately became the chief princes of Meshach under communism. And Tubal, Tubal, what's Tubal named? Tubal Cain. 
So we have a combination of Japhethites and Canaan, or Kenites ruling over Eastern Europe, ruling over Russia, Ukraine, all of Eastern Europe. This is a prophecy of the synagogue of Satan merging, that is the Edomites of the New Testament, merging with Magog in southeastern Europe or southwestern Asia, whichever description you prefer. And say thus, saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal-Cain, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. Okay, so these armies of the Ashkenazim, starting with the Khazars. Khazars are descended from Magog, descended from Japheth. But they married into Hittite blood from Turkey and Mongolian blood from the east because the various tribes wandered through Khazaria and made war against them, but they also intermarried with them. And ultimately they converted to Judaism. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. This is a prediction of the last great war. Gomer and all his bands. Again, Gomer is of Japheth, the house of Togarma, another Japhethite of the north quarters, and all of his bands and many people with thee. These are the tribes that merged with the Khazars. And don't you know, they have created communism and have instituted wars of all kinds, communist revolutions, etc., etc., World War One, World War Two, and we're in the midst of World War Three. You may not have noticed we are. Have been instigated by these people, the Ashkenazi Jews, and their international banking rackets. So, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days, it's been a long time since this prophecy was issued. Thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste. But it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely out of them, that is, the Israelites will have dwelt safely, into a land of unwalled villages. We are seeing this today. The Ashkenazi Jews are invading America, the land of unwalled villages. Verse 11, And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, and unsuspecting of being invaded by the evil Jew, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates. Is that true of Palestine? Is that true of literal Jerusalem? Have they not taken a spoil and a prey? 
to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations of Israel, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land, etc. And their merchants will make war against us all. And to take our our merchandise, steal it from us. Isn't that what the Jews have done to our, our nation, America? In these latter days, after they got finished with Britain, after they got finished with Germany and Poland, they have devastated our nations, absolutely devastated our nations. But there's going to be one last battle, and they were going to lose it. We are going to win it, and the remnant will be preserved. Folks, biblical prophecy never fails. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye.